Welcome everyone to the first episode of Frankly Podcast, your place for all things lifestyle and diversity. So today joining me, I have Monica Mwanye, who is a brilliant friend of mine and brilliant mentor. Um, she is a chartered chemical engineer and the founder of her own business, MM Creative Solutions. She has worked in the nuclear sector since 2003 and applies her experience working in multidisciplinary teams in both technical and business leadership to provide professional services, engineering and construction consultancy services to organisations encompassing both multinationals and micro businesses. In 2019, Monica co-founded the non-profit in initiative Inclusion and Diversity in Nuclear. Welcome to the podcast, Monica. Thanks, Francesca. It's nice to be invited. Yeah, it's lovely to have you and lovely to speak, speak with you as well. I think that this will be a really benefit, beneficial um, conversation for people that not only are interested in engineering, but also, you know, moving outside of their field, what's going on in the realms of diversity and inclusion um, and everything around that, really. So um, I guess let's start with a bit about you. So I gave a, a good bit about your bio, which is incredibly impressive. Um, oh, I thank you. <laughs> I know from speaking to you that, you know, you're, you know, you have so much experience in different aspects of engineering um, and also in business. So um, explain a bit about sort of what you do in terms of, you know, not only um, business wise, but also um, outside of business as well. Okay, so maybe should I sort of start with sort of how I ended up in the role I've got now, so a bit of background. I think that's probably going to be useful just to contextualise it. So I think rolling back to some of the school years, um, I ended up studying, what did I end up studying? Chemistry, physics, maths, general studies at A-level. And I was enjoying my science studies, but I wasn't 100% sure what I wanted to do. And then I had a really great teacher who you know, encouraged me to consider chemical engineering. So I went, researched, found out about it and thought, oh, okay, this sounds like something that I might enjoy. So I ended up going and studying chemical engineering at university. And it was kind of during the university years, going to careers fair, ended up finding out about the nuclear sector, ended up in nuclear. So there's all different things, I'd say, just these different chance conversations and interventions or however you want to frame it. It's just at those different stages, talking to people who gave me, who spent the time, gave me good information, taught me three different things, gave me the insights and some confidence to go for these opportunities and go for these things. So I ended up in nuclear, worked for a number of different companies, and it was probably my last role working for a small business where I started to see more or realise there was more outside of the technical roles I was doing because you know, if you've worked in a small business, sometimes you end up wearing lots of hats just because there's only so many of you. So you end up getting, you, you can be closer to a lot of what's going on in terms of some of the strategic aspects, the business planning aspects, et cetera, et cetera. So I ended up doing a lot of um, business development out talking to people alongside doing my technical work. And I realized that I enjoyed it. So I ended up having some conversations around my career development and what I, where I wanted to take my career next. And that started the journey for me to start to move outside of being in a process engineering role, a technical consultancy role into a business management and business strategy role. So I guess that kind of explains the path a little bit. But I think the key thing through all of that was the dialogue, just speaking to people and be, and being in an environment where I could share my goals and I, I'm being fortunate that they were listened to and that the opportunities matched up with where I wanted to be. Yeah, definitely. That definitely resonates. I think even the way that, that we met was sort of a chance meeting um, and then mm. talking and then you realise you have a lot in common um, and mm. sort of throughout life that it's sort of those chance meetings that lead to you know different career paths or different things that you hadn't considered before um taking it back to sort of when you chose to do chemical engineering at university um mm -hmm. what really stood out for you um in that in that sort of um subject um i think it was because i was really enjoying chemistry like i really enjoyed my chemistry a level <laughs> and um but it was wanting to do something that was that felt more applied 
And from researching maybe just a, a pure sciences degree, I thought I don't really want to do that. And I mean, I was fortunate I was in the position where loads of encouragement at home to go to university and all those sorts of things. So, I, you know, I was lucky to be able to even make that choice. Um, but I thought chemical engineering, when I researched it and looking at the different fields and sectors that you can enter into, because obviously you find chemical engineers working in the food industry, pharmaceuticals, there's, and you know, engineers using the skills and the realms of business and risk analysis, et cetera, et cetera. So what I really liked was the fact that there was an element of choice around it in terms of I could open up a few doors for myself, depending on sort of what the job market was going to be doing when I was sort of leaving university. So I think it was almost the, it was getting, it was getting a chance to sort of use chemistry, develop all those different skills, develop that, that mindset and understand more about sort of the process engineering aspects and how all of these different things are done, as well as wanting to hopefully leave myself with some choice in terms of maybe career paths as well. Um, but sort of speaking more about one of the things that helped me decide that going to do chemical engineering was for me, there's like another conversation involved because I went, um, I'd like gone to visit my sister when she was studying at university and she lived really near to the campus and, and I was interested in chemical engineering at the time. She said, well, you know, you realise you're only a few minutes walk away from where the building is. So I was like, oh, okay, I'll just have a little walk down and just sort of go have a little look around the outside, you know, just to see what things are like, just to see if I like the look of it. I know that sounds a bit random, but that's what I did. Yeah. But anyway, the doors, sometimes you have to just to see, well, you know, is this potential campus for me? Because I thought I've got the opportunity. I'm a few minutes away. I'll just go and have a little look. And so I walked down there, found the building and like the doors were open. And there was like, you know, and I thought, well, the doors open, maybe, you know, I'll just go in and just see what's about. And then I ended up having an amazing conversation with this really, really, really nice older gentleman who turned out to be like one of the heads of the department that I didn't realize at the time, but he took the time and he had a chat with me and I just explained, well, come down visiting my sister. I'm quite interested in maybe applying to do chemical engineering. I might, you know, opt to pick to come here. And he just talked to me, told me about what they do, told me a bit about the department, the teaching style, and it kind of helped me think, oh, okay, yeah, I like, I, I really liked what he told me. He did a really good job in terms of um, talking me through it and maybe just delaying some of maybe any concerns I might have had, as well as helping fill in some of the knowledge gaps I had around what might it be like. So that was something that helped sort of convince me that, yeah, this is, this is a good path for me to embark on. So again, conversation. Definitely. Yeah. The, something that you just touched on, which I think is quite important, not only in your university career, but also going forward in your you know, professional career as well, is that aspect about culture. So, mm. you know, you see a job description, you know exactly what you have to do, you believe you can do the job, but do you understand what the day to day looks like? And I think that's why that question sort of comes up um, all the time. You know, what's the day to day? Is it going out and see? seeing clients is it you know are you at your books all the time are you in the laboratory all the time um who are you spending your time with what's the support like it's all that those questions around you know the culture that's so important incremental into success throughout life I think um really really important I think um yeah so thank you for that in terms of you know the conversation that you had with that professor it probably was one of the you know the milestones in your life that made you choose to go to that particular university um, what would you say to people that, you know, at that stage at the moment where they're applying to university, they're not sure which one to pick, um, what sort of advice would you give to them, you know, go and talk to a professor, go and do your research, that sort of thing? I think research is always important and what I think is, I think quite good now is that we have like social media, so there are ways to maybe tap in to finding out a little, you know, some of the behind the scenes of what some of the different campuses are like, you know, that information is out there. When I was, you know, when I was applying to university, you know, we were finally just starting to get online. So it's, you know, I didn't, I couldn't sort of go and look at someone's tweets about something that was going on on their campus, you know, that just, it just didn't exist. Whereas now you've kind of, there is that access, but obviously that means people have access to the internet to be able to pick up on that. But if you do have access, you know, 
there are forums, there are different groups where you can go and find out a little bit more about these things. I think if there are virtual um, open days and things like that, and there's a chance to talk to people, you know, that's, that's another way to get information. And sometimes depending on your school or college, if they've got like um, former students who maybe have gone to different universities, some, if, if any of them have said they're willing to be contacted and you know that there's someone there who's doing something you're interested in, just see if maybe they can connect you so that you can find out a little bit more. But I think, you know, you never quite know exactly what things are gonna be like until you're in the situation, but there are things you can find out to start to get a sense of, could this possibly be for me? But I know from my own personal experience, I need to also go and do something to just then fully get how it's going to fit with me and where I want to be as well. But yeah, I'd always encourage people is see if you can talk to some current students, whether it's via networks in your school, reach out to family and friends. If you're online and on social media, you know, safely tap into the information that's there as well as, um, I'm just trying to think what else you can get the information from because I mean I was lucky I was able to sort of walk on and was like just go and talk to people whereas now there's obviously a lot of different protocols and you know as we're speaking now we're obviously under the various conditions due to the pandemic so <laughs> things are quite different at the moment so you can't just go and unfortunately you can't just go and walk onto a campus and just go and find people um but the there might be virtual connections or a chance to have a teleconference or they might be running webinars or something like that where you can go and find out a little bit more. Sure. Yeah, and I think we'll touch on this a bit more later in greater detail, but I think that's why groups such as the Nuclear DNI group are so important, um, not only for mm. that sort of support bubble and also, you know, what can you do to really improve that situation, but also, you know, you can talk to people and say, what does your day-to-day -day actually look like? I, I know what you do, but I don't, do I really know what you mm. do from day-to-day? -day? Exactly that. And also I should point out, there's like podcasts as well. Um, and there's like different students and some of them have podcasts now and they talk about some of their different experiences at different universities sort of across the UK. And there's obviously people who do that in their own, in different countries as well. So it's, yeah, it's, it's finding that information and hope you know and then seeing tapping into it and like you say there are people who will be sharing what what that life what a day in their life is like and there's probably people on youtube as well like vloggers who share all of this as well it's like i don't know about you i use youtube for um what do i use youtube for probably watching music videos <laughs> more than like yeah. research but it <laughs> but it is a research tool as well <laughs> it is actually I, I think I read somewhere that um someone was saying that you know YouTube um and also Instagram they're not just you know social networking sites mm. they're also recruitment sites and when I thought about mm. that I thought actually they're right because people put up you know basically a portfolio of who they are what they do their interests mm. and then I know you know the navigating away from the conversation but I still think it's quite relevant that that's one way to sort of exhibit what you're doing in the world, um, especially in this day and age at the moment where as you say, we can't see each other. So everything's done virtually. I think there's so many different um, avenues that you can go down and you can address and just take those risks and be brave. I think it's really the, the motto there. So um, I guess reminding, actually fast forwarding a bit to when you left university, you went into mm -hmm. the industry. Mm -hmm. very similar to myself and I think it's good to touch on that industry in particular because it's not one of those industries where you'd find too much information online um mainly due to the you know the nature of the job um if you were to go and you know google it or youtube it you don't really find people carrying around a, a vlog camera on the nucleus site for various different reasons so um one of the questions that I get a lot is what do you actually do in the nuclear industry what does it look like is it scary um what do you think about you know Fukushima and Chernobyl and all of that and you know my answer is always actually very very clinical um very clean everything's very calculated so um going back to the question what really drew you towards that industry and what did you love about it okay um 
before I applied for my graduate position in the nuclear industry, I didn't really know very much about it. All I knew is what I'd seen on TV. So pictures from Chernobyl, because that happened whilst I was a small child, and sort of all of the different press and TV pictures relating to that. You know, I didn't know anyone who worked in the nuclear sector. There was nobody sort of in my immediate family circle or friend circle that did. And up until, you know, the point where I decided to apply, I hadn't realised that the industry wanted chemical engineers. I kind of had been of the mindset of, you know, there's you potentially go into pharmaceuticals or food or um, oil and gas or things like that, because I'd they had a certain visibility on campus because, you know, I went to Birmingham University and like Cadbury's is in the local area. So I knew Cadbury's or, you know, they worked at the department and, you know, we got visits from the likes of BP and others. So I'd seen them. I knew what they did, whereas I hadn't really seen anyone from the nuclear industry. So I didn't, like I said, I didn't really know much about it. However, I was in my final year searching for a job and one of my really good friends said to go to a careers fair with me that was happening in the city. So we got to this careers fair and we're like walking around because, you know, my friend had secured a job and I hadn't. And I was just like, what am I going to do? I'm still looking for, you know, post-university role and stuff. And then he saw on the exhibitor map, he said, oh, BNFL are here, British Nuclear Fuels Limited. And I said, well, why would I go and talk to them? And he said, well, they want chemical engineers. I was like, well, how do you know that? And he goes, and then he was telling me how he'd been through the assessment process and he'd recently found out he'd been accepted. So he encouraged me to go and find out some more and just to go and listen and see if it might be something I might want to apply to. So I went over to the exhibition stand and I had a really, really good conversation. You can sense a trend here. I had a really, really good conversation with um, uh, a woman on the stand who was a mechanical engineer. And she just talked to me about the work that was happening across some of the different sites and she explained to me about nuclear decommissioning about them needing different technical skills and having all these different challenges around the management of the waste and trying to problem solve and all those sorts of things and it sounded to me it sounded really really interesting but it also sounded like it could be something a worthwhile application of my skill set that might help make a difference in some way because I thought, well, I could sit on the sidelines and maybe complain about something like, oh, it's really, really bad and blah, blah, blah. Or maybe I could get involved because, you know, the way they explained it to me is, you know, they've got these goals around the cleanup of the sites. And I thought, well, maybe I could go and help achieve something along the way, maybe make a small contribution and play my part in that. So it was that combination of being willing to go and find out a little bit more, which I think, changed some of my preconceptions because like I said I didn't really know anything but like what I'd seen on tv and it hadn't really been positive uh, you know and you know when you don't know what you don't know and you know being willing to listen and just have that discussion and understand sort of what comes out the other side was really really important so that's what convinced me to apply sure definitely I think in terms of of you know finding out which career suits you it's so important to do your research and I think you go one step further in saying you know going to talk to people face to face going to see what the site looks like is really really important um for, for some background the first time I went on a an, an NPP a nuclear power plant I was shocked as well <laughs> I didn't know what to expect um and when they took us into you know the reactor hall and said you're actually standing on the reactor right now you just wouldn't know that 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 massive reaction was going on beneath your feet. It's absolutely just, it's astonishing. Um, really, really interesting. Really, really cool. Um, so you took us, you talked a bit about, you know, your first job. Um, and then I think we talked about this a few, a few weeks ago. You took the really brave and cool decision to start your own business, which I think is incredible. Um, you're very successful at what you do. Um, brilliant consultant in all, all areas, including diversity and inclusion. So I guess in terms of that, what made you make that decision to start your own business? And when did you know that it was the right time to do so? Okay, so sort of fast forwarding from starting in the industry, because I worked up at Salafield. And then I sort of left Salafield and moved out to work for different engineering consultancies. And then as I touched on before, I ended up in a small 
a small business, a small engineering consultancy. And it was there, like I say, I got to see more and understand a lot more about business and all these different things that were going on. And sort of realising all the different aspects I enjoyed there and, you know, the things that I saw in the growth journey in that business, it made me think, oh, well, these are the bits I really, really enjoy and maybe I could go and do that for other people and maybe help their businesses on those growth journeys as well. In terms of feeling like it was the right time, <sighs> that's um, an interesting question because I'm, I'm the type of person where if I decide I'm going to do something, it's very much around, okay, I'm going to go and do it because I kind of back myself to know that regardless of what happens, I'll put... I'll put a level of I'll put the level of effort in that I need to, that I'm always willing to learn from the situation. But also that I know that I'll do my best to try and work things out. So I kind of had enough trust in myself that I could do what I needed to do to make it work. And that I'd also have the sense if things weren't working as I wanted them to work, to actually start analyse it and say, well, is this a path for me? So that's very much my approach and mindset. So I won't say I felt ready, ready in the sense of, right, okay, yeah, I'm definitely going to start business today. But I think I just felt like the pieces were there that I could do something and it was the right choice for me at that point in time. So I don't know if that fully ex explains my rationale and thinking. Yeah, it definitely does. Um, so I guess in terms of, you know, making that decision and, through making the decision to actually carrying out the actions mm -hmm. what was that process like was it how you expected it um did any sort of particular issues or really cool things come up that you weren't expecting um I think because like I say in my previous role I'd had some exposure and I've been doing business development I knew I knew a little bit what to expect in terms of trying to engage with different customers and clients to try and start winning business so I had some insight into all of that um, I think some of the unexpected bits would probably be around some of the levels of administration because I, 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 I guess I wasn't fully sure what to expect because it's one thing when you're working in a business and there's different departments you know whatever size they are but there's different departments who deal with all of that whereas when you found the business suddenly you're wearing all those hats and it, it gave me a deeper appreciation of some of the different functions and support functions and some of the different places that I'd worked in, in terms of what they did from the day to day when I'm like, okay, I need to solve that today. Or maybe I need to set up a support network so I can tap into people with the skill set to help me solve that today. So I think it was just learning and realizing what are the things that I need to be good at to keep, to make my business work. And then where do I build that support network so that I've got people who are really, really good at what I need them to do so, so that then I can focus on what I'm good at and I need to do as well. And sort of learning the difference between that and starting to understand, well, when do I look to bring on different skill sets, engage with other people? You know, that's something I've been learning. It's something I'm still learning as I look at sort of my business model and everything that I'm doing. Um, Probably something I should share, which probably did help prepare me a little bit, was I'd been doing an evening course to do with starting a business, just out of general interest, because I was looking for things to do, and I thought, oh, I'll do this course. And I'd done that probably about a year before I then finally decided, okay, I am now going to just go and set up. So I think that helped, because it took us through the process of business planning and trying to hone in on, well, what is it you're actually going to offer and just your initial messaging. So I think having some of that theory in my head helped me a little bit as well as the on-the-job experience I gained because, you know, when, like, the role I did, part of it was building up a new um, business area within the consultancy. So I had, you know, I had to start some of that from scratch. So, but it was within the confines of somebody else's business. So I at least had that practical experience to draw on as well, which definitely helped because it meant I went into it probably a little bit more aware than I would have been. Yeah, so you did your, your research in terms of, you know, roughly what to expect. Where do you add value? Um, the different functions, the different things that need to be done. 
Um, and then the whole aspect around, you know, business delivery and business plan, which I think is really, really a good start for people that want to, to start their own businesses. Uh, yeah, for sure. But the thing is, you can sometimes get, you know, you do need to have a plan and a framework within which to operate. But there's also the flip side where you can sometimes get into over planning and then you don't actually take action. And some of the most important things for once I started the business was for me to pick up the phone and contact people and let them know, right, you realize I've now left. I've now got my own business. If there's any opportunities, you know, here's how you get hold of me. And then it was, you know, contacting people, like emailing them and just, you know, building those relationships and tapping into my network and different and creating different networks as well to find out about where some of the business opportunities are because you know you can start your business and you know unless you you know and you might be really fortunate someone might just come knock on the door on day one and be like right I'm placing a massive order here you go it's all done but actually the most important thing is recognizing the actions I needed to take so that I did bring business in so that my phone did ring and people did say, yes, we want to, you know, issue a contract to you. So it was, it was doing that and then doing that again and then being persistent and keeping that going because, you know, they say that the hardest step is just deciding you're going to go and do it, but then it's picking yourself up each day and continuing to do it and do the work because there does need to be that constant level of action to, make a functional business and to keep it going and I think particularly with sort of what the past 12 months have been where all these wonderful plans and you know gaining some traction and then obviously you know national lockdown orders that had been in the pipeline that had worked for months to get just ground to a halt and it's like okay what do I do now? <laughs> yeah exactly I think touching on that point that you said at the beginning um overthinking of often leads to inaction um and one thing I always think when I sit down you know you know I don't I don't own my own business but when I sit down to start, start a piece of work I'm always like paralysis through analysis like if I don't actually take action then nothing's actually going to happen and I think in so many aspects of life just putting your pen to paper um when you've got a blank sheet of paper is probably the hardest part because you know there's going to be iterations but the first sort of draft is always the hardest draft. And once you get past that, um, you know, you're going to have ups and downs and, you know, delays and issues. But just keeping, keeping going, keeping believing um, and keeping just, you know, learning and going forward is probably the most important thing, if you agree. I agree. I think and it's improving as well. Like I think back to my initial, I had a little just one page, almost holding page website when I started the business and looking at where that was to what I've now got that's just part of the growth journey but I had to keep reminding myself take the feedback and improve it you know where you are now isn't where you're going to be forever as long as you keep taking action so it was just just yeah like you said you can almost get yourself stuck but you know something I also realized is when I saw different people celebrating say contract wins and things like that the key to it was because they'd identified an opportunity and then pursued it. They'd done something about it and that's how they secured that business. So it's just reminding myself that that's possible as well, yeah. but I've got to obviously take the right action to make it happen. Sure. Yeah, definitely. Thank you for that. I think that's a really cool bit of insight in terms of, you know, starting your own business and taking action, taking responsibility for driving your own business forward. All interesting stuff. Um, so I'd like to touch on actually the diversity and inclusion group for nuclear that you started. So um, in 2019, I mm -hmm. was invited from you, I think, I think maybe, maybe two years ago now, um, up in Manchester, there was a brilliant group of people um, from all aspects of civil nuclear, um, you know, Stella Field, the different power plants, we had people that were you know, lawyers in nuclear, which I think is a, a concept in its own, um, we had consultants, all meeting together to sort of discuss what we could do. Um, and it was a brilliant day in terms of, you know, meeting those people and seeing what's being done in different aspects of the industry. Um, and then also identifying where the issues were and what could actually be done. So what 
made you start that that group because I remember talking to you from concept to actual action and it was fast really really impressive um and you got so many brilliant people sort of signed up as well um yeah so what was the the business need there that you identified um the need I would say is just based on some of my own career experiences as well as just talking to people gosh there's such a theme here but talking to people and also sort of looking at what was going on around me and realising that some things hadn't changed. So I think sort of dialing it back to sort of joining the nuclear sector, so back in 2003, and sort of my own experiences of entering the sector, and particularly because I worked, you know, I worked at the Salafield site, and it's predominantly male, very, very white, and I stood out if you're looking at pictures associated with this podcast you know, I'm a black woman and I, you know, I stood out in a site of 10,000 people where I was not in the majority in any way at all. I was very much just by gender in terms of a woman working in an engineering or technical role that was already a smaller group and then compounded with being a black woman as well just meant I was like a marginalised group within a marginalised group. So sort of being sort of thrust into that environment and sort of navigating all of that. And there was definite ups and downs. And, you know, I know we've sort of spoken offline about just some of the different experiences we've both had within the sector to date, which, you know, there's for all, you know, there's a lot of positives. There really are a lot of positives with career, but, but, you know, the industry, just like other things within, within um, the UK is not immune from racism, not immune from, homophobia or sexism it's all the different isms that run around in society today do not just magically not touch certain industries so it's from sort of my own experiences and then some of the experiences some of my friends had as well and then sort of thinking well things will eventually change things will get better because the culture at the time was very much you didn't you you didn't you, you weren't you weren't encouraged to speak up and rock the boat per se it was very much that's just how people talk that's just how it is they didn't mean it about you that was you know it was very much like that and it was and there wasn't maybe always the willingness to do anything about it and I think you know reflecting on that I think it was just situational in terms of where the workplace was then because it'd been more in recent years that we're seeing more discussions around say gender pay gap we're starting to hear discussions around ethnicity pay gap there's a lot more openness and support for the LGBTQ community, but it's not where it could be. So it's winding all of that together. And then, you know, in recent years, having conversations with people who were joining the sector and realizing some of the things that happened to me and some of the people I know were still going on and thinking, well, why, why is change not happening? And then it's also going to some of the different industry conferences and sometimes hearing people speak, and it was literally the same line. We need inclusion, we need diversity, we're gonna, you know, and you know, we need, you know, we need all different skill sets because you know, diverse teams make better business decisions. But it was hearing the same lines, but still nothing was changing. And it's like, well, you're all saying it. Why where's the disconnect here? Something's going wrong if people are still having these negative experiences and you know, and something doesn't add up and then I think another contributory factor was looking at the nuclear sector deal so as part of the industrial strategy there's a sector deal for the nuclear sector as it says in the name and within that there's um, different targets just to do with the workforce so there's targets around bringing younger people in younger apprentices into the sector and then there's a target around gender as well which is great because we do need to get that balance because engineering is still um, very much male dominated and then particularly in nuclear that's still the case so you know taking actual action to move the needle on that and show people the amazing career paths they could have it's it's the right thing to do but then you kind of look at the deal and there's just kind of a sentence about maybe reflecting society but there was no real action points or anything around it and it's like well how are we going to change something if we're not talking about it. How are we going to change something if we've got no clear road roadmap or action plan to do something about it? And you know, is it? And you know, and it's just this 
I guess, growing realisation that maybe there was something I could do about it. And then sort of speaking with my co-founder, who, well, who ended up being my co-founder for this, we sort of were at the same industry event and we sort of just started a conversation saying, oh, it's the same. And we've got onto the topic of how some of the speeches are the same and there doesn't seem to be that real practical support to help drive some actual action that makes a difference. And then we realised we were aligned on it. So we said, should we do something about it? So I think that was maybe around December 2018. And then by February 2019, we said, OK, let's launch. We'll put it on social media as the start of a 10 and have it as this group so people can exchange information or talk to one another and connect and just start to have maybe some of those practical conversations around, well, actually, what do I do in this situation or how do I find out about this? And, you know, just maybe those discussions where maybe they weren't sure where to commence, we could at least provide that space to help them start to maybe solve some of these things, tackle some of these issues. And then what we did is we started sort of sharing different examples and articles and items of best practice. And just, just to help people generate ideas or get inspiration for what they could maybe take bits of to say, well, maybe I could try a little bit of this or maybe try this approach and see how it works in my own workplace. Started on social media, we then got a website we expanded a little bit more on social media so we started as a LinkedIn group and then we added like Twitter and a LinkedIn page and then like I say the website but noticed that most of the time a lot of the posting was still us putting stuff out and and then I sort of turned to my co-founder one day and I just said look I think we need to just actually get people together and have a conference and hence we so we fast forward to July 2019 and we had our sort of first conference just to get people together and like you say gather gather ideas and just get some feedback and just try and work out what the initiative might need to be to actually make a difference so it kind of all went via that pathway really and then since then it's we had um, another conference in 2020 but obviously that was online um, but that's you know from the first conference in 2019 we had about 60 to 70 people sort of with us which was really really good but then the online conference we had last year we had over 500 register and over 400 turned up which to me just I was just like okay that's that's a bit different but it was you know it was good to kind of engage with more people and then get the feedback during and after the event and just really to shape and understand a little bit more about what could be done or how to support and it actually be meaningful um, and something we identified at the first conference was because we ran some workshops as you know just to try and help people sort of build skill sets or get some information they could take back to their workplace and we thought well that's great but it's only the people who are in this room who you know because obviously we had a physical conference that first year who benefit from these workshops and we thought well if people are you know aren't able to get the time off or to travel or for whatever reasons to get to this thing. Um, we thought, okay, well, maybe we'll do like a roadshow and we'll sort it out so that the workshop could go around the different sort of hubs where a lot of the different nuclear companies are clustered so that then that way people could access the training. So it's almost like bringing the water to the horse, I guess would be the expression rather than the other way around. I can see you smiling. So yeah, so it was you know, taking, you know, it was just trying to sort of push down some of the barriers a little bit to make sure we could connect people with the information they needed. And because we um, partnered with a professional organizer, a professional trainer who developed his workshop. So we used that business to sort of lead on that workshop tour and just sort of start to understand, well, what could the model be there? What can we do? How do we take things forward? So very much trying things. Yeah, definitely. Seeing how they worked. <laughs> yeah, I think that in terms of the engagement, um, it's really impressive that 2019, you know, I remember it very well. There's about you know, 70 of us in one to two rooms. And then, as you said, moving on to 500 people within a year um, is absolutely instrumental. It's, it's incredible in terms of the, the uptake of people in the industry that have really gained um you know, an interest in that particular subject. I guess in starting that that group, 
what does good look like to you in terms of diversity inclusion it's a question that we that you know we hear a lot you know how can we quantify it um what does good look like and from my perspective i guess it would be a situation where you know going back to culture and value and you know your value added is supported by the culture that you've got within you know different industries different companies um throughout you know the organizations throughout you know, nations etc what does good look like to you in terms of diversity and, and inclusion? So in terms of the initiative, it's sort of tracking some of the outcomes. It's You can take it from a number of different aspects in terms of good can be when people have connected and they've been able to exchange information and then um, someone's been able to help someone with an issue they were having in their business. So to me, that's a good outcome. But the thing that we're looking to do now is to really shape some of our additional measures now that we've been going for two years and to sort of really share with everybody, okay, this is now the level of good that we're striving for. So I guess watch this space in terms of seeing sort of what the initiative goal is. But on a more personal note, I think, you know, good in terms of all of, in terms of inclusion and diversity for me is, that inclusion part, that part around people being able to be themselves and, you know, not be harassed in the workplace and not be excluded and to be able to do what they need to do and work in a way that suits them. That for me is the really core important part because I always think unless you've got that culture, you've got that environment, right? There's just no point going and saying, we're gonna hire this person and that person and that person. You need to look after the people you've got first you need to look after all the people you've already brought in and make sure they feel welcome, they feel valued, and that it isn't a revolving door. So to me, good is actually saying that companies and people have got these improved retention rates, that there's the improvement in staff um, well-being and staff happiness in the workplace, because I think those are things that can be tracked. And it's saying, like I say, that retention, that actually all the, you know, that it isn't just all the younger graduates have already left within two years because they're really unhappy with the culture or actually it's been really tough for working mums to come back in to the business so they've all left within 12 months you know there's so there's so many different aspects to getting that mix and balance right for the individuals within the business and the groups within the business as well sure yeah there's so many different aspects aren't there and I think in terms of the value added from diversity um, that can look like so many different things. Um, as you just mentioned, a few turning mums to work and um, support to different groups within the organisation. What would you say is the value that businesses should consider when they're talking about diversity inclusion at you know, management, senior, um, and also at board level? I think you need to consider is if you've employed a whole range of people and you want them to come and perform at their best, it's the simple question I ask you is, is your environment enabling them to actually do that? Because that's what the inclusion bits are out. It's about people having that safety and being able to speak up, speak out, you know, to point out areas where they could see efficiency savings, for example, or areas where the business could innovate. But you're not going to access any of that talent or any of that information if people don't, if people feel excluded. And if they just feel they can't share that with you, you're never going to tap into that. So it's, you know, we talk about all the ideas that get presented, but what about all the ones that don't? And there could be, you know, someone on a shop floor somewhere who's got something amazing to contribute, but they don't necessarily feel that they can. So it's all, the, it's all those things that you don't know about that you're missing out on. But also it could be the ideas generation as well, because talking to different people can just give you a completely new perspective. And it's something that I really enjoy doing particularly since starting my own businesses you know I'm not just in business networks that are for um, business owners in the nuclear sector I actively have joined other networks and some of the perspective I get from talking to you know people who run accountancy firms people who are in tech people who are in you know the food industry but it's just seeing how they solve different problems or how they go after certain things sort of has helped inform my ideas and helped me realise things I could do better in my own business. But it's having that point of difference and having that different sounding board, having those different conversations and information exchange. And it's just really, really important to 
be open and take some of this stuff on board. Certainly, definitely. In terms of, you know, diversity of, you know, thought, essentially, from different groups within society, all bring different things to the table. Um, I'm sure you've had situations where you've thought, you know, this is how I'm going to do this action. And then someone says, well, what about this? And you're like, oh, I've never thought about that. It's having those, the ability to have those conversations. I think that's so important with um, all things DNI, if you agree. It's the different approaches and experiences people bring. And like side note, I am not a fan of the phrase diversity of thoughts. I have a lot of opinions about that. I have a lot of opinions about that. I mean, at its core, I think the intent is really, really good. And um, I just think context is always really, really important when that phrase is used. Um, but but I do agree, it's just that different thinking it can prompt you into, but also it's tapping into those different approaches and experiences people have because you know you you know it's like you have might have a way a particular way of going to I don't know slice an apple and then you show it to me and I'm like wow I didn't know you could do it that way but it's and that's sort of to me is that's that inclusion that's that diversity bit of picking up and seeing the improvements because oh you've shared this approach with me because we might not all look at things in the same way definitely yeah definitely about you know the approaches that people bring are just so different um I feel like you just learn something different when you to different people who come from different industries different walks of life it's so interesting it's really cool um so you've talked to us about your business about the nuclear industry about um the DNI group that you started and I guess just to wrap up um what would be sort of three key takeaways for success that you would recommend to people, not only in you know, the diversity and inclusion um, sort of pool, but also in business, in life, in careers, and just going forward really to really um, just give people a bit of oomph, I guess, in life. <laughs> well, that's a big question to end on. I think, you know, top, top three things. I think, I think it's develop a network, um, don't be afraid to ask for help and to offer help to others because you just don't know what's going to be sparked by any of that and where it may take you. So I think it's really, really important to have that support and that ability to, you know, just like I say, have the sounding boards or potentially find new business because, you know, you've got someone to have coffee with and it turns out they need access to the goods or services you're selling. So I think number one, there's that. I think number two is always make sure to take time to look after yourself because I think it can be quite easy to get caught up in the churn and to overthink things and to not not put your own well-being at an important enough level because I think it, it can be very easy to think I've got to I think what I'm trying to say here is it's recognizing the difference between being productive and being busy for the sake of being busy. And at the core is just identifying what are the key things that need to be done to make this happen. But it's hard and it's hard to feel like, you know, it's hard to recognize when you have done enough that day and you need to log off and you need to stop actually get a decent rest or do something else and then come back to it but it's really really hard I've, I personally find it hard sort of with my own business to switch off but I've had to learn to do it because I realize I approach things better because I am doing that but it's it's hard because you 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 know yeah. I'm the type I want to give 100% or more if possible and I've had to learn to really recognize what makes me perform at my best, which in turn means if I do good work, I will win more business as well. But I've had to learn that balance. And then, so I've given you two things and you wanted three. Yeah, I was just oh, and I, on the second one, um, I think that that's really important, a really important bit of advice, especially when you're working at home. Um, it used to be that, you know, you finish work at the time, shut your laptop, you know, walk home, jump on the train, um, get dinner, might check emails a tiny bit, but um occasionally you might get back back into a piece of work but now it's just you know you pick up your laptop you're going you're going you're going it gets dark outside you carry on um and then it's time you know for 
dinner and sleep and you don't really get to break sometimes so definitely take that bit of advice on board yeah it's about working out what your routine needs to be appropriate to the situation and just making sure having those breaks and like I say it's something I've had to learn and even though I was mostly working from home before the then everything with sort of lockdowns and working from home became more widespread for people who could do that I still had to readjust and reevaluate my routine because you know there was little things I used to maybe go and do like all the little meetings I'd go and have so I wasn't just in the house and there was more delineation or maybe I'd go to the gym but obviously all of that was closed so then it's like oh all the little things that provide the natural breaks or that I would use as a natural break weren't there so it was actually just recognizing that but it's it's hard because you can I think part of sort of having a drive to be in business there's like I say there's part of that desire to want to work super hard and it's learning that it is okay sometimes to switch off pick it back up and start again um and then I think the third and final thing so I've covered off about sort of having your networks and sort of tapping into those and then it's the um it then then I've obviously talked about sort of that balance and looking after yourself and the well-being aspect and I think the third thing I think is just having that having some self-awareness and I think that it's okay to recognize what you are good at and focus on those strengths and then it's okay to like learn how to do some things and to do some of that personal development and realize that it is a growth journey and that you know whatever some of the outcomes are it's having that openness to learning from it means yes something might feel disastrous at the time but okay you know for me if I have an absolute disaster with something I think oh my goodness but then I think okay I've learned I'm not going to approach it in that way moving forward because you know if that happens okay it's unfortunate it happens but if it happens again and I've not really learned anything from it then it's like look I've got to take some of these lessons in life so it's just that openness to what different situations can teach you good or bad and that openness to learning from it because you know something else I wanted to say is some of my career path ended up because I said yes to certain opportunities and just thought let me just try this role and see if I like it and then I realized I did and then it opened more doors for me so it's just that willingness to learn from the situation you can find yourself in and you know and just I guess being able to take the rough with the smooth to some extent I think also recognizing sometimes when you have to draw a line the things as well because sometimes the lesson is it that just doesn't work don't do that again or this is a bad situation stop it move towards something else sure thank you very much Monica I think <laughs> those are three very strong points actually to end on um I guess before we wrap up um I'll put your um handles in the description below um, so if anyone wants to get in touch with Monica, please do so. You can also find her um, at the Nuclear DNI um, group as well. So please join if you're interested. And just to say thank you, Monica. Very, very um, interesting conversation and really cool perspective. So thank you very much for your time. You're very welcome. It was really good to talk with you.